I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. What does the word premium mean to you? And how do you use that to influence all of the decisions in your business to impact the services that you provide to your clients? Since 2018, Brandy Hendricks, owner of Bayou City Pet Sitting, has been doing everything that she can to set herself apart by surprising and delighting her clients. Today, she joins the show to share how she does that, which includes using GPS collars. Let's get started. Hi, Colin. Thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Brandy Hendricks. I am the owner operator of Bayou City Pet Sitting. We are a full service pet sitting service in Houston, Texas. We do daycare, dog walks, um, premium boarding, uh, home drop-in visits, pretty much everything except overnight visits in clients' homes. I know overnights are a big sticking point for a lot of people. Did you ever offer overnights? Yes, I did. So when I started out um, and was doing this really part-time, and I also only had uh, my two little senior dogs who were pretty much fine by themselves overnight, I had a very small radius. And I did do overnights occasionally. It wasn't a huge part of my business, but I had a few and um, as I grew, I kind of had to phase that out just because when, once I started taking boarding dogs pretty consistently, I wasn't about to to suddenly, you know, do overnights in the mix. And that phase out process, I know, can be can be hard. Do you still get requests for overnights from potential clients? Yeah, and I still I still get there's a couple clients that I still service in different ways that I was doing overnights for who still want overnights. So they have overnight um, sitters now um, for their dogs, which is great. It like works out for them. They have a great, they have great sitters that they're into. And um, yeah, so I had to phase out and I do get requests for it, although not as often now because it's, it's never something, it hasn't been something that I've offered in a while. I know for us, we get requests for overnight care quite a bit. And I think that's because many people are used to a neighbor or friend or family member doing the overnights, or maybe they found a professional pet sitter who's done it for them a couple of times in the past. And that's kind of all they know. And we've, we have a kind of a hard time getting them to convert over to drop in. So how do you explain to people what you actually offer and, and the benefits that it brings to them? Um, So I have, you know, for my radius, I will offer sort of a more inclusive package. So for people who want like an overnight, I try and talk to them and see like, what exactly is, is that, is it that you're looking for? Like, are you looking for your dog to have, you know, because some people want somebody there to sleep in the bed with their dog, you know, and for that, I just can't help them, you know, but is it, are they looking for um, somebody to come in and do a lot of walks and give a lot of attention. And for that, I can be like, well, I can do that during the day when your dog might be awake, you know? So I have packages that include like a morning drop off. So I'll do like a 30 minute morning or not drop off morning visit, um, an afternoon visit, a dinner time visit. And then I do a quick 15 minute bedtime visit, like a potty right before bed. Um, and it is a lot of driving, so I keep my service area for that pretty small. Um, but usually that 
you know, is what they want because they want somebody that can let their animal out a lot, um, do a last minute, you know, potty visit, stuff like that. So I think often that has worked, but if not, I have a, a, someone I can farm out to for that. Somebody who only does overnight sittings. Oh, so, so it is, so you're, you are a solo sitter, uh, and, yes. and you do refer out for the services that you don't offer. Right. Yeah. I, I say we a lot. I use the, I say the Royal we, <laughs> <laughs> I say we a lot. Um, I think it's just because I'm so used to talking about my own animals in the in the mix. Sure. So yes, I will say we, which confuses people. They're like, "Wait, I thought you were solo," but no, I am solo. <laughs> well, and and getting back to the you know kind of what services you can offer to clients, I think that that step of seeing really what they're asking for, I think that's the real key. Of is this? Are you asking? Because I found that many times they're asking because that's all they know. Right? They mm-hmm. only know of overnight care of somebody sleeping at the home. That's all they. That's all they've ever had experience with, and so they only ask. They don't know what other terms to use. So I love that question of, "Can you tell me why you're looking for that, or what what would yeah. you like this to look like?" And then have them actually describe what happens. And you're right when they say, "Well, I I really just need somebody to come over and let my dog out three or four times and kind of enjoy spending time with them." And go, "Aha." Let me tell you about this service called drop-in services, right? And many times people go, I've never heard of that. Or I that's a thing? Oh, okay. Well, that actually sounds you – know, and you can have that conversation from there. But at any point in time when we're interacting with a client, we as the business owners, especially when we have specialized services, really need to do our due diligence and ask those questions of what are you looking for? And especially around terms of like, okay, you're saying this word. What what does that word mean to you? Like sometimes they'll just say, "I need a pet sitter. I need pet right. sitting," and I'll go, "What does that mean?" And usually it's, "Oh, I need that. I need overnight care." Um, and go, "Can you okay? Well, here, let me explain to you what your options are." Well, and sometimes I found that they want somebody to come over because they don't want their dog to be alone, which I get. But I'm like, "Did you know I offer boarding?" <laughs> And my boarding services are actually, it's cheaper to board your dog than to have me come over there four different times in the day. And a lot of times they don't even know that, or they don't think that that's an option, you know, and for dogs that do well in in my setup, you know, which has been about, I would say half of the people that wanted overnights, I've been able to convert to boarding. Because they just wanted somebody that, you know, they just didn't want their dog to be bored. Mm. And they didn't realize that, like, oh, wait, I can bring them here and they can be around a bunch of other dogs and play and and get full-time care, basically. Yeah, having that option. And again, listening to the words that that client say, they do start talking about boredom lonely, alone, you start to pick up on, okay, I, I have a, I see a theme here of what you're actually needing. And, and then we have to make that judgment call of going, can I meet that need given my services uh, and, and offer them in an appropriate manner? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, before you started Bayou City Pet Sitting, what was your, what was your background and how did you find yourself running a, a pet sitting company? You know, when I was thinking about this, I was like, I probably should have known that I was going to do something with animals when I was, when I was a kid, I was not allowed to have a dog. Um, My parents were not dog people, which turns out that that was a lie. When I got a dog, they became very involved dog grandparents. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was like, I could have had a dog all those years. When I was in late middle school, I would say I started cat sitting for neighbors. Mm. Um, it was mostly cat sitting. Like at that point, there wasn't really any dog sitting other than the occasional letting a dog out here and there. Like if they were going to be a little late, it was cat sitting, which I loved. Sure. Um, and then after high school, I started volunteering at the Houston SPCA, um, which was my first sort of introduction into professional, a professional animal setting. Um, and then I got a job working in a paid position there. So I was an adoption counselor. Emotionally took a toll on me. So I took a job at a commercial dog daycare. And it was here in Houston. And we did daycare and boarding. And it was a grooming and a training aspect to it, too. And I worked there in the front front desk, front office area. Um, for about a year. So I learned a lot from that job because that was a lot of, you know, how do I prepare for, for multiple dogs? You know, how do I do temperament assessments? You know, yeah. How to feed dogs on a larger scale, you know, how to make sure everybody's food is separated, you know, stuff like that. I was able to learn in a professional setting kind of on a larger scale, which was really helpful. After that, I sort of, you know, wanted to make more money. So I moved on to other kind of office jobs. I worked in property management. Um, I worked in office management. And then I moved into the healthcare field. While I was there, um, I was planning a trip to go out of town and one of my friends on Facebook, so I asked on Facebook for like a pet sitter recommendation. And one of my friends was like, hey, I just joined Rover. Um, and I had never heard of Rover at that point. So I hired her and she did an excellent job. Like she was amazing. And when I got back, I was, I, I was thinking, you know, hey, I'd like to do Rover. So I signed up. Um, so I started doing that, um, for several years or a couple years. I did that. It was very much on the side. And then 2018 happened. Mm. 2018 is the year sort of when everything, uh, everything sort of broke apart, but also kind of fell into the perfect place. So I, in January, I was laid off from the job, for my job. They did, um, they did like 900 layoffs. So it was expected. Like I, when they announced the layoffs, like two days before I got laid off, I was like, I know I'm going to be one of these layoffs. Um, and then two weeks later, the fourplex that I was living in had just been sold and I got a notice from the owners, say, new owners saying like, you have 60 days to move out because we're going to gut the building. Yeah. And then two weeks after that, my dad called me and told me that he was just diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm. And my mom had died the year before. So, and I'm an only child. So I was like, Oh, okay. Well, um, I've got to be a caregiver. 
And at the, in the moment I was like, oh, this, everything is, is going really poorly, but realistically, you know, with a little bit of, of time to sit back, like things happened, it, it, all that had to happen. It happened in the best possible form, like sequence, because if I were still working when my dad got sick, I would have had to quit my job, but because I didn't have to quit and I had gotten severance. Like that was a good thing. I would have had to move in with my dad anyway because he needed care, but I didn't have to break a lease, you know? So I was like, well, if everything happened, at least it happened in, in this way. Yeah. So I moved in with my dad. I still did a little bit of Rover at that point. It was mostly out call. Um, and then I was with my dad until he passed. And then after he passed, I decided to go back to school. Um, Cause I was like, well, I guess I'll go get another healthcare degree, you know, and, and move on from there. Cause I was feeling a little lost. And while I was doing the degree, um, I, my Rover service was growing at this point. So at this point it was, it was pretty steadily part-time and growing. And, um, I was finishing up my degree right around the time the pandemic hit. And I was just not looking forward to going back into a hospital setting at that point. I was like, yeah, the last thing I want to do during, you know, the biggest rage of a pandemic is go back in a hospital. Um, and my my pet sitting had grown and grown. So there was a point where it was just like, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. And I was talking to a friend and I was like, none of these jobs look interesting. And he knew I loved pet sitting. He was like, if you could do anything right now, what would you do? And instantly I was like, I would be a pet sitter. And he's like, well, why don't you? And so that was the moment I was like, okay, I'm doing this full time. And I mean, I went all in, I bought a website domain. I set up everything. And two weeks later was just, you know, the proverbial sign over the door and ready to go. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> and I thought you, you had a phrase in there of everything broke apart, but it fell into back into the perfect place. And and that is such a, a, a beautiful description of what happens a lot of times in our business and in our life when we feel like everything is kind of going out of control and we don't know what's going on. And I I really think that being able to to sometimes it's it's almost impossible in the moment. Oh, it was very impossible. I, I can't even imagine, right? <laughs> to to be going through all of that and being and to, to, to go, oh, everything will fall back into place. Usually, it's all in retrospection, and I'm sure it was of like, wow, mm-hmm. that that was the time that really was the catalyst for all of this. It wasn't this other thing. It wasn't that moment was what really pushed it in this direction. And and everybody has those moments in our lives, and that's one of the reasons I I really like reflecting back on. On, on what's happened in the past and, and, and look back because it helps us get a lot of perspective, uh, especially when we're looking at things that we're going through today of going, man, today feels really bad. But hey, remember back in 2018 when all that was happening and now look where I am. And it does help us give us some, um, again, some perspective on, on how, how things change and how there are definitely things where we don't have control over them and we did nothing wrong and, and yet it still happens. And we kind of, we get the opportunities to now do something with that. Yeah, it was definitely in the moment. I was not, I was not feeling like this was going to turn out well. I was not feeling like it was a great uh, 
learning experience. But ultimately, like I said, when I was able to reflect, I was like, okay, well, everything happened in the best possible sequence of horrible things to happen, you know? And it really did propel me because of all those things I was able, I had the time to sit back and say like, what do I want to do? And ultimately it was like, I want to work with animals. I just don't think realistically, I thought that this would be something that I could do full time. You know, I, I, I don't know. And it's obvious in retrospect, but you know, when you grow up with pet sitting being told is like something that hobbyists do or like college kids or high school kids, like that's the only sort of, you know, knowledge you have of it. It's hard to view it as like, oh no, this can be a lucrative career. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critters Editors has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessions. So how how does that shape how you view your business, right? You you kind of had this kind of explain this mind shift change of I used to view it as something only hobbyists did or or you know neighborhood kids, but now here I am making a career and a profession out of this. How does does that drive you to do things differently, or, or what does that mean to you to now be doing this full time? It does drive me to do things differently, um, and I try to do things sort of unexpected differently, um, if that makes any sense. Like when having this background at the hospital, it gave me this love for like forms and procedures <laughs> and oh my goodness. And scrubs. Here, here's a tip guys. Scrubs are amazing for pet sitters. I had so many scrubs when I left the hospital and I wear them a lot, like especially on like dog walks and stuff. It's like wearing pajamas. They're comfortable. <laughs> they look great. Yeah. You can wash them easily. Like, mm, perfect. But you know, I fell into this, like, I really liked the the procedures element. Like I liked having having forms and I like clients being. Up, updated and knowledgeable about what's going on. You know, one of the things I remember from when my dad was in the hospital and I was taking him to, and it was the same hospital I got laid off from, by the way, the hospital that I ended up like having to spend all the time in is the same hospital that I had gotten laid off of. Um, oh, wow. But it was fine because I knew everybody. I was friends with everybody. So like it worked out well. Yeah. Um, but one thing I liked about that hospital too, was that, the clients had this like portal that they could go in and they could see their appointments. They could see all their like test, uh, their test levels. You know, they knew from, they had access to that. And that's something that I wanted to give my clients. So like I had listened to you guys and I signed up for time to pet, which, you know, ultimately had given me a lot of, had given me a way to give clients this other level of professionalism is where they're not like emailing me and you know, it's fine for people who enjoy that or they're not texting me asking for appointments. They go in, 
they make their appointment. I approve it. You know, they're, they're self-scheduling. They have lists of what, what their upcoming appointments are. They have a client agreements. Um, I am, you know, I'm fear-free certified. I have, I am a member of the National Association of Pet Sitters. I'm about to take the exam for that to be certified for that. I just applied for that. Um, you know, I'm insured, fully insured, I'm bonded, like all that stuff, I think really tells the clients that like, I'm treating this seriously. I'm not just doing this as a hobby. Yeah. That, that's, that's fascinating that you made that connection back to your time at the hospital, because the more I've thought about the kind of updates in our software, it really is kind of like charting for our, our, the dogs that we're caring for of. This is a one continuous stream of of updates and information that now is a reference in a history of mm-hmm. not not a medical condition but a state of being of the dog while it's in our care whether they're going into their home or they're in ours we can chart things as they change as they happen using these techniques and the, these updates and that makes it insanely valuable not just for for the clients, but for us too. I mean, I can't tell you how many times clients have asked a question about, hey, was my dog doing this? It's like, hey, let me scroll back through my visits real quick and I can tell you what day that happened on. It's it's so powerful. Yep. I really enjoy being able to look back and, and you know, sometimes when you have a ton of dogs and you get a request for a dog that you haven't seen in like a year or so. And so it's really helpful to go back and like scroll back and see pictures and like notes I've taken on that dog. And be like, oh yeah, okay, we can. I remember that very well. Yeah, it, it's really nice for that. And and you know, also remembering that clients are are used to that kind of convenience, right? They mm-hmm. have it at hospitals. Like that's something that everybody interacts and experiences. So we can bring that to our businesses in a way and, and going, this is, this is how you update. This is how you find your information. This is how you pay. It's, it's all in this kind of one place. And realizing that that's a, that's a common practice in, in people's lives. It's not something new or unique to them. They experience that everywhere they go. And it's, it's so, now, now we, can, we can be a part of that as well and going, hey, you know how convenient it is? It's, it's kind of like, it should be just as convenient to go and look at your blood test as it is to book a dog walker. Um, and we can make that easy for them. I don't want to have, I don't, I don't want to have phone conversations with people if I don't have to. Like, I don't want to. So I, if I can do anything online, like recently I had a tire go flat. And instead of like calling, I calling places to find where I could get a tire. I literally found out that you can get a tire, somebody to come to your house and replace the tire. And I did it all online. I was like, this, I was like, this is amazing. This is what I want. I want to just be able to click. I don't want to have to interact with anyone extra. Mm -hmm. Um, it really worked out. <laughs> yeah, I had I had need to be towed recently because my we, I had gotten a small wreck and uh, I was I never called my insurance agent. I just texted them the whole time and they were like, "Yep, records on the way." Like it was all just handled. I didn't have to make a single phone call. It was really nice. <laughs> yes, I have the triple. I have AAA, and I had to use it the other day and the AAA app and then my insurance app. It's it's fantastic. That's what I want. I wanted my clients to have that same sort of. You know, they don't have to have endless phone calls and back and forth with me. And plus with them self-scheduling, I never have to worry about, did I put the days in wrong? 
um, when they're talking about like medications, they input all that information. So I'm not second guessing, like, did I put it in wrong? And I can reference that at all times. Yeah. It's, it's a huge liability cover for us Mm -hmm. knowing this is what the client asked me to do. It's all here in black and white on my phone, on my software, and I'm following those directions. And it really makes it so simple. You, you, you mentioned that you were fear-free certified and I was curious why that was something you were interested in getting and kind of what that's, what that's done for you. I was interested in it. Um, really, I wanted to learn a little more about animal uh, like behavior and, and body language. I felt pretty confident from my time working at like the dog daycare, but obviously like, I don't know everything and I don't pretend to know everything. Um, and I, so I wanted to learn more about that, but I also, again, I wanted to have that certification so that I could tell clients, it makes you look more professional. It makes you seem like you care about, you know, increasing your knowledge. Cause I think that's a big thing. Um, a lot of people don't understand, you know, for this job is that like, I want to take all the classes that I can. I want to talk to professionals. I want to listen to podcasts. Like I want to, I want to know as much as I can so that I have great ideas. Um, I know how to lead, you know, pro, uh, proactively lead a meet and greet. You know, I get a lot of times I have a meet and greet and for a cat say, and the owners are dragging the cat out from under the bed and I used to sort of go along with it, but after the fear free, I'm just like, no, 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 it's okay. You know, let them come to me. Um, I tell clients a lot of times, you know, I just assume everyone has cameras in their house and I'm fine with it. And I'll tell clients like, you know, especially with cats, part of my thing is that if the cats are nervous for me, like I'll, I'll do the feed the bowl, fill the bowls with food and everything, but I'm not going to chase the cats down. Like I'll sit on the, on the sofa quietly and like talk to them in a low voice and hopefully and I was like I'm not ignoring your cat like I I, you know I explained to them like what the fear-free method is for that and how I'm trying to get the cats to come to me and let them feel comfortable coming to me and I explained to them that it's not just to make my job easier it's to make their job easy you know their life with their animal easier and easier on the next pet sitting service, whether that's with me or somebody else, because the cats are going to know that they're not being pushed to do that. Those certifications and those training programs, I know people go back and forth about them, whether they're quote unquote necessary or not, or how impressed people get with them. But I think focusing just like you know, you've done here of going, well, this is for me. Like I, I'm the one who wants to know as much as I can. I'm the one who wants, and you said you want to have great ideas. And I think that's so important of we, we only know what we know. And it's we we we're not going to be able to sit there in a in a closed room and now suddenly magically come up with spontaneously all these brand new unique ideas. The needing to go and get new and better ideas really starts with going and getting new information, and then we get to now try and apply to that, do new things in our in our company, 
because we've gotten that information. And that's where a lot of this starts. How do we raise the bar? Well, I've got to go learn some stuff, and then I need to think about it, and now apply how – now I need to take that information and figure out how that works in my business and come up with those ideas and unique approaches. Yeah, definitely. That's really all I want to do is I want to get all this information. I want to be – not only marketable as a sitter, but also just, I want to be a good sitter. You know, I want, I want the dogs that are staying with me to have a good experience and a good time. Like I want the owners to know that they can rely on me. Like I want owners to know that when they book with me, I'm going to show up, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything that I'm saying that I'm going to do and, and more. Again, focusing on us, I want to be. I actually want to be good at this. I want. I want to know my craft. I want to be an excellent at my trade. I want to be a professional in what I'm doing. And that's for you know. There's there are. You can join organizations and you can agree to their standards. And and what a lot of this rests in us of going. What does it mean for me, me personally, to be an excellent pet sitter? How do mm-hmm. I define that? And that's kind of where we all go and find our own course and ways of learning and incorporating that into our business. And it's different for everyone. You know, like I know my personal pet sitter that watches my dogs is very different from my sort of the th- things that I do, but like my dogs love it there and they have a really good time. And, you know, so it's there's, I think there's somebody for everyone. Um, but yeah, the the way I want to do it, the kind of clients that I'm cultivating are the ones that enjoy that. You know, they enjoy being able to book online. They enjoy, you know, having things like GPS trackers and and all that. Yeah. Well, I I want to, I definitely I want to talk to you about those GPS trackers. So, when did you start incorporating those? And what what did actually do they do? I guess what I, I want to know everything about this. <laughs> So the GPS tracker, it started out with my personal dog. So I adopted um, my my spirited dog. I had little senior dogs. Um, <laughs> I was I was for the longest time the senior dog sitter. So I had nothing but seniors. So when I fully like started opening, I was full of seniors. Like I was doing daycare, like hospice daycare for senior dogs. Oh wow! So I wasn't worried about like anything other than dogs getting, you know, their meds on time. And then um, what happens when you have a bunch of senior dogs is they pass away, like slowly, like the senior dogs started passing away and the owners were getting puppies. And so I became the default sitter for those puppies. And I, at the time was like, well, I'm going to get a younger dog. And, you know, and I adopted this dog that is a spitfire and he is a, he is a, he's a flight risk basically at all times. <laughs> he loves me, but man, he just, I don't, I don't trust that he wouldn't run away the second he got an opportunity. Understood. So <laughs> I researched some trackers and I, I had gotten a GPS collar for him. Um, just because like if something happened, I wanted to be able to find him and when I got this GPS collar, so I got him a Phi collar and I didn't realize at the time that it did stuff like activity tracking. So with that Phi collar, I can do 
I got to see like how many steps he was doing every day, how well he slept. And he occasionally goes to a commercial dog daycare here in Houston. He did more then. So while he was in the daycare, I could see how how active he was. Mm. And as I started having like all these younger dogs come in, I realized like this is something I would love to offer clients because, you know, I would get clients that asked like, do you have cameras that we could watch the dogs? Because a lot of commercial facilities have that. And I mean, I do this out of my house. So no, (laughs) (laughs) no. I mean, I have cameras. Yes. But like, are there cameras that you can watch? No. Um, But I wanted to give clients this, ability that like I had with with my dad, you know, back to that thing where we could log into the portal and see his stats. Like I wanted to give clients the ability to feel like they were actively a part of their dog's days with me without being able to physically see them. So I dived into the research of dog trackers and you would not believe how many people have very strong opinions about this, how many different types of trackers there are. You know, there's everything from people who use air tags um, to $400 dog trackers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, and you know, I think about like that wasn't even a market really like five years ago. You know, it, it wasn't even really a market of things that you could do. So, Like I knew I liked it, but the five collars that I had weren't necessarily, you know, the trackers built into the collar. So I needed something. I had to sit down and basically write a list of what I wanted out of trackers, which was I wanted, I knew I wanted GPS. Um, I knew that I wanted something that could easily go on and off of a client's collar. Um, because if, if it, if it's not easy to move, like it, it's not, it's not useful. Um, another thing that I wanted was I wanted to be able to share that dog with the client, but only that one dog, because like with the five callers that I have, I can share their information, like with my pet sitter. Um, but she can see all the dogs on my account. So like, if I shared that, I didn't want clients to see everybody's dog very privacy focused yeah. as well so that they're not knowing who else is over there. And it's also overwhelming too, of like, why am I seeing this information for all these other pets? It's not, it's not, you know, curtailed to, to their needs at that time. Right. They just need the one. Um, so yeah, I, I did a lot of research and, you know, I was talking to people online and people were like, get an air tag or get a tile. And, you know, I think those are okay. Okay, in certain circumstances, but then when I was reading and stuff like some, I I, I ended up in a deep dive and I got in a vet forum. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know where you just start like reading and reading, and vets were talking about how they're seeing like dogs that are swallowing air tags, mm. um, and they're basically a battery. You know, so I was like, okay, that's out. And also the air tags, a lot of people don't realize that they run on bluetooth so they they're not built to go out of the range of bluetooth so if your dog's more than like 30 40 feet away from you it's not picking up anything and also stuff like that doesn't pick up steps you know 
Yeah, yeah. It's not an activity <laughs> tracker. It's more like location finder kind of thing. Right. And so that was, I, I ended up throwing that out. Um, and then there were some that were prohibitively expensive, you know, like the $400 ones, which seemed to do everything I wanted to do. Um, but then I zeroed in on the attractive trackers, um, which kind of hit all my sweet spots of what I wanted. So they are about the size of my thumb. So I have one right here, um, which is not helpful to have visual (laughs) uh, things on a podcast, but for you, like it's about the size of my thumb. It easily snaps on and off the collar. Um, I can send just the one pet information to the client And the other thing that I like about this is that it holds the pet profiles. So with the other trackers that I looked at, it doesn't hold the pet profiles. So you have to delete out everybody and and reset in for new ones. But with these, when I unpair the tracker with the profile, the profile basically goes into a bank. So when like the the dog that I had for daycare this morning came, as soon as he walked in the door... I snapped on his tracker. I went and just paired his profile with the tracker and sent the link to the owner. And it was done. Building a profitable pet sitting business on your own can feel overwhelming. Since 1994, Pet Sitters International has helped over 40,000 people just like you start and grow their businesses. From access to group rate pet sitter insurance and discounts on background checks to free client handouts and a monthly member toolkit, PSI provides you with the credentials, continuing education, and community you need to grow your pet sitting business. You'll also be invited to join a private online network of other pet sitting business owners from around the world. Save $15 off your first year of membership by using the promo code PSC15 at checkout. Visit PetSit.com slash PSC to learn more. So do you have to have one tracker per dog or are you able to mix and match and use it across dogs? So you can mix and match and use it across dogs. Like, you know, I I have the one, uh, so I do have enough trackers for every dog type of tracker and it is an expense. Sure. Um, I think the trackers themselves are about $50, but the thing I learned was that they go on sale quite a bit. So like they were recently on sale for like $30 a piece and then you have to pay per tracker for the service because it is GPS service. Okay. So I think that's about $90 a year. So it is, it is an investment, but the one thing that I did was I bought one to start with and I tested it out on several dogs. I wanted to see how that went. And then I sort of just slowly built up, like as they went on sale, I would buy a couple and then I would activate them as necessary because you don't have to pay the yearly fee until you activate. Like right now I have four that aren't activated, Mm. Um, but they were on sale. I think they were on sale for like $25 a piece. Um, So I just went ahead and bought several and activated them or I haven't activated them yet you can just kind of turn that on or off or you can you do month to month with that or have it active one month and not active another. So you can kind of just rotate and active, use them as need. So you can do a monthly fee, but the only thing, the only reason I went with the yearly fee is the monthly fee doesn't allow you to share the tracker 
Um, it allows you to share the tracker where they can see the location. Like you just get a link, but it doesn't allow you to like sign somebody up as an owner where they can see the activity. And for some people that might be fine. Like I, you know, not every client who I, who I send the link to, you know, activates and like downloads the app. And for those clients, I just screenshot the activity because I can see that and send it with their daily report card, you know, so that might be all. And I think that's like nine or $10 a month. Um, I don't remember for certain. So you can do that. Um, But I wanted the clients to be able to just log in on their own because I found that doing that, like giving them the opportunity, it, it cuts down on a lot of the questions that clients have about their dog. You know, not that I'm always here to answer questions, but a lot of the questions that I was getting and, and maybe questions that you've gotten to were like, how did my dog sleep? Are they playing a lot? You know, and are they resting? And this is all stuff that I'm happy to answer, but they know that they can go in that, in that tracker at any point and say like, oh, my dog's had, he's taken like 20,000 steps today. And he was playing really hard from like 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And then he took a nap for two hours. You know, they see all of that. They see the sleep quality. So the overnight, they can look and see like my dog woke up three times overnight and was up for a couple minutes. You know, it's basically like a Fitbit for dogs. Not just giving them peace of mind, but insight into their dog's time with you. Again, you, you needed to give them some information. And it, like you said, it allows them to be present without being present and fills in some gaps that maybe you can't always give. We, we as sitters can't always give the most accurate information of how many times did my dog wake up or were they restless? Sometimes mm-hmm. we only know if they're whining or if they're making noises or if they're pacing, but you know, if they're, you know, kind of just moving and rustling a little bit constantly, we might not pick up on that. So this can give some insight to also us too of going, Hey, how did that dog sleep last night? Oh, okay. And you know, kind of change is needed. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's great because like sometimes I will have dogs who, you know, one day are super active and the next day they sleep a lot. And I can look back and say, okay, well, you know, Jinx was, took 40,000 steps yesterday and played for like so many hours straight. So of course she's going to be a little more tired today. (laughs) And, you know, you can also say, well, she didn't sleep that great last night. So of course she's going to need a little more time or dogs that didn't play as much the day before. I can say like these dogs, I need to try and get them out a little bit more too, because I want them to have a good time. Oh, yeah, it really does start changing and make it really, really, truly does make it customized for that individual dog when you have this kind of data to back it up. Mm-hmm. You mentioned some things of you wanted GPS, you wanted to be able to share, you wanted to be able to have clients see that information and be able to attach on and off. If people are thinking about getting a getting a GPS tracker, what kind of recommendations or what things do they need to consider when they go down that rabbit hole? I think. The biggest thing is that if you are considering getting one for your personal dog, um, you have a lot more options, I think. Like, I really like the Fi Collar. Um, There's also the uh, Fit Bark, which is apparently really good. I I tried that one out, too. Um, But, you know, I like the trackers that pretty much stay attached to your dog's collar for personal dogs. 
Mm. Um, but yeah, you want to look at battery life because that's important. You want to look at who you can share the information with. Because again, that that's also important. Like I want to know that like if I'm sharing the inf- I can have access to share that information with somebody else. Um, you know, I want to see who and how accurate that is. You know, and and to be fair, they all run off GPS. So Another big reason that I have these trackers is in the very unlikely event that a dog happens to escape, which I've never had before, knock on wood. Um, But I know that not only when they cross the barrier of my home facility, I get a text message. You know, the owner gets a text message and I'm not worried about looking bad. Like my, my thing is I want the dog to get found. And again, the only time it's ever happened was it runs off GPS. So occasionally I think like two or three times in the entire time I've done it, um, I've gotten a notification, you know, like Brady is out without an owner and the dog's sitting right next to me. So I instantly messaged the owner and I'm like, Hey, it's right. He's right next to me. It's fine. Um, which, so it happens a little bit like, but it's not the norm at all. And I would rather get false notifications occasionally and at least know that it's doing something. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's just an, in the app, you can set up that GPS fencing around your home and a set perimeter to say, if it goes outside, Mm -hmm. it'll start getting and sending notifications. Yes. Um, I've never had a dog escape. So, you know, again, knock on wood. So I don't. I don't have any experience of how that would work in real life, but I hope I never have to test it out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, then again, yet again, another way of covering liability of not just having the software and getting instructions from the owner, but now I have a way of protecting and getting alerts and notifications in the event that something happened, right? And being Mm -hmm. able to immediately go find, track down, and get that taken care of without all the guesswork that's on our, that's on, you know, if a dog gets out without one of these, who knows, right? You've you've got to start doing a lot of sleuthing and searching. Mm-hmm. If you had this, it's a lot more peace of mind that, that just you have as the sitter going, okay, I can literally walk right to this dot and we're going to get taken care of. Right. I can go straight to the dog. I can put it in lost dog mode um, and we are good. So we've, we've talked about GPS trackers and how they, they, we can integrate them. And I think all of this just really wraps up with, with your approach to this. And you, you really describe what you do as, as premium, premium boarding, premium services. For, for you, Brandy, what is, what is premium and, and how do you make sure you get that delivered to your clients? Um, so the, what I consider premium and the reason I use the term premium is because, you know, when you're in a commercial facility uh, for boarding or daycare, you can always pay for upgrades. You know, you can pay to have your dog. Like when my dog goes to his commercial facility that he loves, like you can pay to have, they do a splash day or something and you can pay an extra $5 or something and, and they'll let him in there. Or they have ball pits occasionally. Um, and I wanted the ability to give all the dogs in my care the same experience of having all the extras basically included. And also I just didn't really want to keep track of who paid for what, you know, (laughs) I mean, realistically it's, it's almost easier in a larger facility because, you know, the dogs are in, in kennels or in groups that like everyone paid for this, you know, but when you're 
have four to 14 dogs here every day. It's, it's a little harder to do that. And I don't want to make, you know, I just didn't want to do that. So we're doing it all premium. Everybody gets all the upgrades. So the reason I call it premium is, um, so I do the online booking. We have the smaller groups than the larger facilities or than a lot of the larger facilities. Um, again, the GPS trackers. Um, then I have stuff like bubble machines with dog bubbles, like the bacon flavored scented bubbles that I use. Um, we do those. I I found these, uh, we do pup cups every once in a while. So there's the the pup, like you can get the special dog whipped cream and, um, we'll do pup cups sometimes. I just transformed my backyard into what I essentially is a private dog park. Uh, I turfed out the entire yard which was, you know, I, I had a normal backyard before with like, you know, um, balls and everything. And then I was like, you know, it was hard. Texas heat, a drought, yeah. dogs, you know, running around on it all day. Like it was, it was really just not great. And um, I'd kind of been thinking about doing turf for a while, but Turf is expensive and, and and it felt like a big investment until I sat back and I was, I, I asked myself like, what am I spending every month trying to keep the grass alive and maintaining it versus like amortized out how much would turf cost every month? And I found out I'm actually saving money. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. yeah. So when you figure out like based on the life of the turf, plus it just looks great. Like I have climbing, like dog climbing things out there. Um, I purchased this big dome, which is really for kids, but the dogs love it. They run in and out of it. They play underneath it. Um, yeah. So we did all, we did all that. Oh, I put a tennis ball ball pit for them, which has been honestly the standout of the yard. Everybody loves it. (laughs) And I don't know if you know this, but you can go on Amazon and you can purchase tennis balls from pro like tennis places that they've already used them for like tennis um, lessons and stuff. And you can get like lots of them. So I bought like 300 for like $40. No, I didn't. Yeah. And I, yeah, and then I got a big plastic kiddie pool, and I just dumped the balls in that kiddie pool. And it has been the thing that all the dogs love the most. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. And I'm so, like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I was like, I did not. I was because I was ready to buy like a bunch of individual like brand new tennis balls. And then I found that. Um, on Amazon, but then I have a closet that's full of like enrichment toys and puzzles. And sometimes I'll feed dogs out of puzzles or Mm. I'll set up like when they're in a private area, I don't do like feeding or treats together, but if they're in a private area, I will do a puzzle occasionally snuffle mat, something like that. Um, we have a dedicated dog room and all the areas that the dogs are in, they have like white noise machines. Um, and then I got the galaxy lights for nighttime. Oh my God. Um, I have TVs that I play dog movies on or like dog TV. I got little golden books and I will read to the dogs. Like I'll read stories. It's more for me than them. (laughs) Although yesterday I did have a dog that 
this dog named Maybe, and she like sat at my feet and was listening to the story. She was looking at the pictures. <laughs> it was adorable. Oh, and- yeah. Oh, and then I have like a splash pad that I set out if I've got dogs that want to play on the splash pad. And not everything gets done every day, but like enough gets done that the owners know that their dogs are probably going to do something extra and fun when they're here. You start off by saying like, I didn't want to hold back anything from anybody, but it's it's a, yes, I want everybody to have an amazing experience, but practically just me as the owner, I don't keep track of everything. That people, we I think we don't give that enough weight and credit to running our business of keeping it streamlined and simple of if you're taking care of 10 dogs in a day or 14 dogs throughout the day, trying to remember, Oh, who gets the special bacon thing or who gets this, who, who paid for the ball pit or who paid for just, it's too much to keep track of, right? Nobody yeah. wants to do that. We don't have time for that. We just want to love on the dogs to make sure they have a good time. And so that premium comes in of going, everybody gets everything. Now it means everybody's paying a really high price, but mm-hmm. they get it all right. That's, and that's just, there's simplicity in there. It's also just, um, uh, raises the service across the board. So it's not like, oh, well, who's paying for the cardboard box and who's paying for the deluxe massive suite? Nope, we don't have any of that. Everyone gets the massive suite. Right. Yeah, and clients love it. You know, I like it because I'm out there with everyone. I don't have to worry that if I pull out the splash pad, you know, who paid for the splash pad today? I've got to put the others up. Like, no, we're all going to enjoy it. Right, dragging them back into the house like you did bank right. right it's like no that's awful <laughs> nobody wants that <laughs> i think that that is something that we can all think about of going what's something that i can do that's kind of a, a more marginal cost that i can give everybody what's what let's start with one thing what's one thing i can do for everybody that just makes my services a little bit better and then we can start adding from there and that starts with a lot of stuff that you talked about, Brandy, of going, okay, I need to get more education, so I need to get this stuff so I can figure out what it would mean to add one more thing. And then I need to have um, these these tools and these resources that I have access to so that I can do the things that I want to do. And that's just kind of how we get to make it our own. And I didn't add all these things at once, you know? I mean, like... I, I got the white noise machines and then the like the star lights I got from me personally and I loved it and I found out my dogs were like watching it at night. So I got a couple more for the dog rooms, you know, the, like I said, the trackers, I got one by one, you know, I, I looked around for tennis balls. Like I shopped around for the best price on that and found out you could do a lot of them, you know? So it was, it, it seems like, oh, you know, I have all this great stuff, but I want to add to it, like the puzzles and the enrichment toys. Those were bought one by one, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's where it starts, right? With everything mm-hmm. we do in our business when we're building, and I think we need to remember that we are building something. And we, we build one brick at a time. We build one puzzle at a time, one new skill at a time, one new collar at a time, one new mm-hmm. client at a time. It's all a building process. Yes, definitely. Brandy, I want to thank you so much for coming on today, sharing how you are enriching the lives of not just the pets, but the clients and what premium means to you and why it's so important to you. I I thank you for that. And thank you for sharing everything. But I know that there's a lot more that you do. We didn't touch on all the services or how you manage them. So (laughs) if people want to follow along with you and your business, see the cool ball pit on Instagram and all that stuff, how can they do that and start getting in touch? I am on Facebook at Bayou City Pet Sitting. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Bayou City Pet Sitting. Um, and also my website is BayouCityPetSitting.com. 
So I can be found anywhere there. Brainy, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. What are you building in your business? What do you want your business to look like one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now? All of that starts with things that we are doing today, things that we are learning and pursuing, trying and failing or succeeding at. We can't build unless we try, and we can't try unless we know new things to do differently. So I want to encourage you to seek out new information, get connected with good community of people, and continue to push to be not just a more marketable pet sitter, but just a better pet sitter. And whatever that means for you and how you are serving your clients is to make sure that you are serving them well. We want to thank our sponsors today, Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International, for making the show possible. And Megan and I want to thank you so, so much for listening to this show. We hope you have an absolutely wonderful week, and we'll be back again soon.